Well, good morning, church. And visitors, welcome. And before we begin today's passage, I, I'd like to introduce myself and my family. Uh, my wife's actually cut out now to the, uh, the nursery there. My name's Nick Bear. My wife, Senya, and I have been serving on staff with the Military Ministry of Crew, formerly Campus Crusade for Christ, since 2003. We have the privilege of sharing the gospel with thousands of military members uh, and their families and helping to influence the gospel going forward in 32 nations globally. We've been attending Grace Covenant since 2016. We became members in 2017. And in 2018, um, we we're very grateful the church came on our personal support team. So today's sermon is a bit of a sermonette, if you will. Um, we always like to make things interesting during the summertime. And so uh, this morning we're going to learn from Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. If you have your Bibles, you could begin turning there. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10, and the surrounding verses. Um, but as we do so, I'll be giving you some perspective along the way into our ministry to the global military community. You might consider this to be a sermon slash missionary moment. So let's read the text, and then we'll go a bit deeper. Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in these words, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are your people. As such, we boldly come before your throne of grace. And we ask that you would help us as we seek to be impacted by your word today. Lord, please give us ears to hear and prepare our hearts to receive. We confess that we can easily be distracted at times like this, yet you have such goodness for your people when we gather together and come under your word so that what we think and say and do can be daily transformed to be more and more in alignment with you and your holy will for our lives. Father, I pray that your spirit will guide me today as I preach. It is no small thing when any man, no matter his training, education, or experience, comes before your people to teach from your holy scriptures. Father, help me, I pray. I submit myself to your spirit, and I ask that you would lead me and use me for your glory and for the benefit of your church. Amen. Well, you'll notice looking at today's sermon that it is suspiciously similar to last week's in title. Some might think that it's easy to fill in 
the pulpit during pastoral days off, I can tell you it is not. You see, your pastors love you. Your elders and pastors, they daily are praying for you. They're thinking about you. They're taking up their call to shepherd you. I could say us, because we are here members at the church as well. And in all honesty, the preparation that I can give, filling in for the pastors today or for other pastors of other churches, is nothing in comparison to the immense prayer and intentionality shown in the sermon series which pastors and elders provide. So, as Dennis left it up to me to decide the subject of today's message, I thought I could do no better for you than to compliment his message last week. And along the way, I'll also be giving you insight into our ministry. So Dennis did a fantastic job last week teaching us that the law of the Lord is perfect. And if you remember, Last week, he began his message talking about the confusion that many Christians can experience when we talk about the role of the law of God in our day-to-day lives. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 1 and learned that Paul affirmed to Timothy that the law of the Lord is what? Is good. And expounding on this scripture, Dennis taught us that the law is good because it's an expression of God's common grace. It reveals the, world, the way the world ought to be, the way that the world functions best. Dennis taught that there exists a distinction between the specific laws of the Jews under a theocracy and the ceremonial laws and the moral law common to all men. So Paul's letter to the Romans also speaks to this theme of law, what the Mosaic law can and cannot do for us, how one is justified before God by grace through faith, and in light of saving faith, how Christians are to live out their lives in holiness, in love, and in good deeds. So this is where we find ourselves as we jump back into Romans chapter 13, verse 8. I'm going to read that to you again. Owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves has fulfilled the law. Owe no one anything. You know, for me, that begs the question, why is Paul talking about owing things to people? So let's practice some good Bible study methods And let's look at the surrounding verses to gain context into Paul's teaching. And I think as we do so, you might be surprised at what we see. So Paul has this flow of thought throughout Romans, which I just mentioned a moment ago, particularly in chapters 9 through 12, where he is talking about salvation and personal holiness. And then we see at the start of chapter 13, he speaks not only to the roles and responsibilities of individual Christians, but also to civil authority. Chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person, you can follow along with me if you have your Bibles. Chapter 13, verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. 
Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is a for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out the wrath of God on wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Because of this, you are also... Because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So this context of owe no one anything is first given in relationship of citizens to ruling authorities. God says that he has appointed governments, leaders, and those who uphold and defend the law. And so here's one of those points in today's message where I'm going to make a brief transition in the sermon and talk about our specific ministry. Question, who do you want making laws over your nation? Who do you want enforcing laws over you? Do you want someone who thinks they are above God's moral law, as described in Scripture? Do you want a tyrant who rejects God's law and inflicts their will upon you with no regard to God's view of justice? I know I certainly don't. I imagine that Everyone in other countries do not, unless they might be personally benefiting from tyranny. Actually, when I was writing this, um, being here in Williamsburg, I I pictured some people going, huzzah, huzzah. (laughs) Psalm 82. Psalm 82 is a lament against rulers who do injustice, who do not love. It reads, give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the weak and needy. Deliver them from the hand of the wicked. And they, meaning the rulers who do injustice, they have neither knowledge nor understanding. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. We learn in chapter 13 that God's intent for those who create and uphold laws is that they be in alignment with him and his laws. They are to be his servants for the good of others. They are to be avengers of God's wrath on wrongdoers. And when they are not, justice is mocked and the foundations of the earth are shaken. At least that's the way it feels to those who are experiencing injustice. And this model, it actually goes all the way back to Genesis. When Noah and his family stepped off the ark, 
Uh, God ordained a new method of administering justice, the government. Genesis 9, 6 says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Many Bible scholars see this as the first introduction to uh, governance in Scripture. Added to the roles and responsibilities which God has already communicated, now he also declares that mankind is to be responsible for the protection and punishment. You may not be aware of this, but in many countries in the world, there's no distinction between the military and the police. And that was definitely true in Paul's day under Roman rule. And one of mine and Senya's primary motivations to serve as missionaries to the global military community is because military and police can be used for great good or for great harm. They can fulfill their God-given role to be ministers of God unto justice, or they can be juggernauts for destruction. And we proclaim the gospel to the global military community because we know, just as Paul did when he proclaimed the gospel to centurions and the Praetorium Guard in Rome, that this unique people group can transform nations. Our mission seeks to do this well. We are in places like Honduras, where recently 300 military officers received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And many of them signed up for small groups where they could be further discipled and um, with application to their work. Places like the Ukraine and Mongolia, where our teams recently taught ethics through scripture to combat years of atheistic dogma under communism. And here in the United States, where on average 5,000 recruits who are going to boot camp for our branches of service choose to come to our Exploring Christianity classes to hear the gospel. And what's, what's amazing is out, out in the foyer you'll see a, a banner, and, and on the banner, and there's some brochures there, it, it says 3,000. That brochure was just two years, or that banner was just two years old. In the last two years, the average number of young American men and women who are going into the armed forces, who want to explore Christianity, has gone up by 2,000. It's incredible. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. I've heard it estimated that 89% of current or former world leaders are current or former military. When you reach the military for the, Jesus Christ, you reach the world. So let's get back to our text. Verse 8, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. So there is this moral law from God 
which should shape and inform societal laws. And there are governments established to keep and enforce those laws. The role of the Christian is to fulfill the law by walking blameless before their neighbors, by living a life of love. Jesus taught this very truth, and it's interesting that he did it right after um, teaching about obeying Rome and paying taxes. A, a lawyer came up to him and asked him a question. He said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. One of these two commandments, I'm sorry, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, how do we do this? How do we love our neighbors as ourselves? Dennis spoke to this last week, and let me just build on his words by saying, when we think about the law of God, we need to think about God. We need to think about our Father. We need to think about the relationship we have with the lawgiver. What is the best motivation we can think of not to steal? Is it because you don't want to get in trouble? Is it because you don't want someone to steal from you? For the Christian, God provides a much greater motivation. He provides himself. Our motivation to love, a byproduct of a being that we will not steal, is best fulfilled when we relate to God. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9 reads, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not Love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. Reflect on some of those phrases. Know God. God is love. Live through him. It's incredibly important that as we seek to obey God and his moral law, that it is derived out of our relationship with God. This relationship with God begins at the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of my dearest memories of ministry is of a sailor named Omar. Omar arrived at Naval Station Great Lakes from Pearl Harbor to receive some ongoing advanced training. Omar, the Lord, the Lord led Omar to attend one of our uh, Friday night outreach events, and Omar uh, received Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. I spent uh, several months after that discipling Omar, meeting with him, learning more about his story. And then the night came when his wife called him and told him that she was leaving him with their two children for his best friend back at Pearl. What a devastating night that was. 
And yet, I saw a miracle happen. Omar sat in my van that night and pleaded the gospel to his wife. Over the phone, he told her that God loved her and that her creator had so much more for her and that she would never be happy if she turned away from God's way. And day after day, Omar told his wife about the difference that the Lord was making in his own life, even though she continued to reject him and the Lord. Omar told me that he was a gangbanger in Dallas before joining the Navy. And if it was not for Christ in his life, he would have been on the first plane back there to kill or something his friend who stole his wife. This is the power of God being lived out through the life of a Christian. We love because he first loved us. We plead the truth of God's better way to others out of love. Because he lovingly gave us his truth and a better way. We turn away from destructive behaviors because God has freed us from the law of sin and death. So let me ask, in what way are you being challenged to not love your neighbor, your coworker, your spouse, your children, your family members, your brothers and sisters here at church? What law are you being tempted to break? As you think about that, allow Christ's teaching to humble when we're angry with our brother, it's as though we are committing murder in our hearts. When we lust after another, it's like committing adultery in our minds and so on. Hear the words of scripture. The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Draw near to God. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. Imbibe in the love of God. Let it well up within you and overflow to worship of him. And if you do, then what you think, say, and do will reflect the love of God around you. You will be fulfilling the law through love. I'd like to close this message in prayer. And after I pray, I'd like to show you a short video from our ministry before we transition into the song of dismissal and the benediction. And I'll be in the foyer, and I'd love to speak with any of you who'd like to learn more about our ministry, um, how you can pray for our ministry, give to our ministry, volunteer with our ministry. Um, there is a lot of things going on here in the Hampton Roads area. And we would love to see many volunteers rise up from the church to help troops be spiritually fit and ready to serve. And, and that can be through practical means, in-home service of, of working prayer and communications and administration, 
all the way to uh, coming alongside our chaplains at Fort Eustis and taking the gospel uh, to those from foreign nations who are coming to our military installations to receive leadership training. It's a safe place for them to come explore Christianity and we partner with our chaplains because they need help. Um, to serving U.S. troops in the installations here around uh, Hampton Roads with the gospel. The harvest is plentiful and the labors are few. Love to have that conversation with you if you'd like. Well, let's pray and then we'll watch that video. Heavenly Father, you gave us the law of love and we desperately desire to live in the good of that law. Help us to draw close to you every day that we can love others out of an overflow of our love for you because you first loved us. Thank you for sending Jesus into the world as a sacrifice of love so that we could be reconciled to you. May the world know that we are your disciples by our love for one another. May we share your love with our neighbors as we also share the gospel. And Heavenly Father, we do pray for the men and women in the military and police around the world. May they know you and your love. May they fulfill their role as your ministers of justice, obeying your law of love as they serve. Thank you for your word and your church. We worship you, Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.